Chapter thirty two of Carpenter's Geographical Reader Asia by Frank Carpenter. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Betty B. General View of India. This morning we begin our travels in East India proper. We are in the great peninsula of Hindustan, a country almost half as large as the United States, and quite as varied in its scenery and character. The land is enormous it extends from the southern part of the asiatic continent in the shape of a great triangle whose base is the himalaya mountains and whose sharp apex lies within a few degrees of the equator if you could lift up hindustan and lay it upon north america with its western end at seattle it would reach as far east as montreal and cape comorin which tips the apex would be wedged into the panama canal from north to south it is as long as the distance from the middle of hudson bay to the gulf of mexico and from east to west it extends as far as the distance from the atlantic ocean to the great salt lake this mighty country is one of extremes the himalayas which border it on the north are the highest mountains on earth their peaks are hidden in perpetual snow and the icy wastes on the top of mount everest kiss the sky at an altitude more than two miles above that of any part of north america except mount mckinley at the foot of the mountains begins a mighty plain which at the east and west is not far above the level of the sea while still farther south the land rises into the mountains and plateaus of the deccan which reach to cape cormoran india is thus composed of mountains and valleys of rolling plateaus and a great lowland plain a country like this must be one of many climates the mountains embrace the temperate and frigid zones while the great plain below is a land of the tropics and in summer is exceedingly hot in general the seasons are three the hot the rainy and cool the hot season lasts through march and april during which time the heat is terrific and no rain falls the rains begin early in may when the southwest monsoon rushes in from the indian ocean they last through the summer and even into october during this season the rains pour and the soil is soaked by them then comes the cool weather which continues throughout the winter or from november to february inclusive in this season it is not cold on the plains but much like our moderate weather in summer the rainfall is varied according to the locality india is one of the wettest lands upon earth and also one of the driest in some provinces the water pours down almost all the time and in others it does not rain for months in succession some places are as dry as the sahara and in others six feet of water has been known to fall in the space of twelve months the land is consequently one of well-watered plains and great deserts it has soils which have been giving rich crops ever since history began to be written and some which the plough of man has never turned india has mighty rivers such as the indus the brahmaputra and the ganges all of which are fed by the perpetual snows of the himalayas these rivers bring down vast loads of silt which feed and enrich the soil of india as egypt is fed and made rich by the nile we shall see how the water is used for irrigation as we travel over the country india is a world as regards its vegetation it has trees and plants of the tropics temperate and frigid zones 
there are palms in the lowlands and pines cedars and oaks high up in the mountains the country grows all sorts of crops from wheat barley and millet to rice cotton and sugar and it has animals of every climate from the elephants and tigers which roam through the jungles to the wild goats and mountain sheep of the himalayas on the borders of tibet india is also a world in respect to its population it should not be looked upon as one country inhabited by a single race as is the land of china it is more like a continent of many races and many peoples it has altogether more than three hundred million inhabitants or almost one-fifth of the world's population these millions are of several colors some are as black as the africans of the congo and others have skins as fair as our own the east indians speak one hundred and eighty-five languages many of which are as different from the others as are the english and russian one of the tongues is spoken by ninety-seven millions another by forty-four millions and there are fourteen other languages each of which is used by more than three millions these many peoples have their own customs and not a few of them their own religions some are worshippers of fire some are buddhists and a vast number are mohammedans millions of them worship spirits and more in number than all the others are the hindus who have many idols representing their ideas of life and death and futurity there are more hindus in india than there are christians in the united states and more mohammedans than in turkey this continent of different races peoples and languages is divided up into many states each of which has its own customs and some of which have a government different from the others the states are all under the rule of great britain although some are still nominally governed by the native princes or rajahs with british advisers to tell them just how to rule is it not strange that a country so great as this should be controlled by the people of a little island kingdom in the north atlantic ocean thousands of miles away yes the possession and administration of india by the english is a wonder of modern government and as we go over the country we shall see that it has been and is of enormous benefit to the east indians but how did the english get the control of this vast territory inhabited by so many millions and lying so far away from their own home the story is an interesting one the work began in the days of queen elizabeth with a contest over a pinch of pepper at that time the dutch of holland controlled the most of the east indian trade they had foreign settlements in hindustan and one of the chief articles which their ships carried home to europe was pepper which then sold for seventy-five cents a pound this gave a large profit to the dutch merchants but they were not satisfied and they doubled the price the english merchants protested that this was too much but the dutch would not make any reduction thereupon the english merchants formed a company to build ships of their own and to send them out to india to bring pepper and other goods to england that was the famous east india company which gradually drove out the dutch and took possession of most of hindustan it was from that company that the british government acquired this great peninsula the chief rulers of the country are now appointed by the king of england who has also the title of the emperor of india at their head is the governor-general or viceroy the word viceroy means vice-king and the governor-general stands here in the place of the king he therefore has great power 
and has thousands of officials to help him he controls the armies in all the states there are british and native soldiers and among them many who ride upon camels and elephants the soldiers are of a half dozen races coming from such of the nations as are noted for their bravery and military skill they are all under british officers although many subordinate places are held by east indians the british have improved india when they came here hindustan was inhabited by nations which were warring upon each other the taxes were enormous the princes oppressed their subjects and life and property were very unsafe the farming methods were bad and there were frequent famines which killed millions of people there were no public roads to speak of and most of the natives were low in the scale of civilization today we find good order everywhere kept and we can travel as safely through hindustan as in any part of the united states there are good wagon roads everywhere and railroads traverse the most thickly populated parts of the peninsula the people now trade with one another without fear of robbery and they have a vast commerce with other nations at the time the english took control of the country its foreign trade was not more than five million dollars a year it now annually amounts to over five hundred million dollars and it grows more and more as time goes on the extortions of the past have been done away with and the people now pay less taxes than those of any other great land they pay only about one-thirteenth as much per head as we do and twenty times less than the people of either france or england the english have given the east indians a good postal and telegraph system we shall be able to mail letters in the smallest villages and as we go over the country shall meet postmen going about upon bicycles delivering the mails we can send telegrams at low rates to any part of india and it will not cost very much for us to cable to england or even to new york as we look at the telegraph poles we observe that they are made of iron it seems to us that wood would be cheaper and we ask why this is it is because of the white ant which eats up anything wooden this ant is found in many parts of hindustan and a drove of them would chew up several telegraph poles like those we have in america in one night but suppose we take a few excursions over the country how shall we travel we could use camels or elephants for there are many in hindustan or we might go on the rivers as we did in some of our journeys through china any of these ways would be pleasant for a short time but in the study of a country so large we shall need the most rapid transportation we can possibly get we shall therefore go by the railroad or upon motor cars there are many thousand miles of railroads in india the country has more than any other in asia and its railroad mileage is surpassed by only four other countries of the whole world its roads are well built and well managed and they carry several hundred million passengers each year the cars are much like our own except that in most of them the seats are long benches running lengthwise instead of across the car on each side a central aisle as with us other cars have compartments on the express trains some have electric fans electric lights and bells at one end of each car is a bathroom with a tub sunk in the floor so that we can have a wash as we go flying over the country at twenty-five or thirty miles an hour can we travel at night yes there are some sleeping cars 
but upon many trains we shall have to carry our bedding in such cases we must make a rush for the best places on entering the train the man who first gets his bedding down on a bench has the right to it and if we come in too late we may be crowded to the ends of the benches and have to sleep as we can the cars are of three classes first second and third those of the first and second classes are used chiefly by foreigners or well-to-do natives the third class is reserved for the common people who are packed in so tightly that it is almost impossible for them to move they pay less than half a cent per mile and the first-class fares are cheaper than ours the conductors are usually natives they are tall dark-faced men wearing turbans and uniforms they speak english and are polite to all foreigners we are amused at the queer things we see on the freight cars here is one loaded with camels and there is another in which a baby elephant is shut off in a pen from the rest of the freight the brakeman tells us that elephant calves are charged for at the rate of six cents a mile and we wonder what may be the rate for a camel or a donkey in the baggage cars are compartments or boxes for cats monkeys rabbits guinea pigs and dogs all these animals are classed as dogs and paid for at the dog rate no one being allowed to carry anything of the dog class into the passenger cars not long ago a woman appeared at the depot with a turtle in her hand she was about to take the train when the hindu conductor stopped her she asked him why she could not take her pet into the car he thought for a time and then replied in his ungrammatical english yes missy can take cats is dogs and monkeys is dogs but turtles is fish and there is no rule against fish End of chapter thirty two